Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? Welcome to another episode of Audience First. I have two very special guests with me today. We are here with Jeff Farinich. Jeff, did I pronounce your last name right? Yes, it is. Thank you. Yes. And Matt Pollack from Picnic Corporation. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. All right. So let's dig in. I want to know a little bit more about you, Jeff. Tell me, who are you? What are you doing? Why the hell do you do it? All right. Well, you know, I've been IT and security for over 25 years. Kind of fell into IT. Didn't plan on it. You know, back when I was in college ages ago, uh, there was no IT. It was called MIS. They considered of a really uh, a mainframe in the basement. And it was not that uh, exciting. Uh, so I but focused on really business accounting and a uh, few years later, found myself in IT. So that's been my story ever since in various roles and got into IT management very early. And in the early days, there wasn't really a security function. Uh, as IT grew and morphed into a much more mature ecosystem, you know, security became more important and definitely much more front and center as it is today. Got it. Welcome to the show again. Matt, how about you? Who are you? What do you do? And why the hell do you do it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Matt Polak, CEO, founder of Picnic. Uh, I'm really passionate about this problem of human attack surface uh, protection. And, uh, you know, we think that's a good way for talking about all the problems that really underpin social engineering. Uh, and so when we talk about, you know, what is human attack service and what is social engineering, you know, we can get into it a little bit, hopefully, as we talk about this. But I would say that the root cause of, of that problem of social engineering is actually exposed human attack surface. Uh, and so that's... Uh, it's an exciting topic, um, and uh, you know that's that's part of the reason why I do it. I also think that I've got uh, an interesting background and point of view to be able to kind of bring some of that attacker's mindset uh, into uh, into the you know, into the fore for defenders and to try to help uh, folks like Jeff that are thinking about you know being on the other side of this problem and how do we actually make people and organizations safer. All right, you had a, a points of view about human attack surface protection. You want to drill down into that a little bit, kind of give some color. As to what is it, why, how, and maybe Jeff can also add some uh, color commentary there as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. How do you do that? So, um, you know, when you look at, you know, so maybe just to back up a little bit, we started working on this problem back in uh, late 2018, early 2019. Um, one of the things that we did is we actually tapped into to an extensive network of folks from the intelligence community, red teamers, uh, folks that are black hats, gray hats, white hats. And essentially what we did is we went to them and we said, Hey, we want to understand what happens before the attack. And that's where we focus. So we went deep. We said, hey, here's Danny's profile. Here's Jeff's profile. Here's Matt's profile. Here's a bunch of other profiles. Tell us how you would attack them. What would you do? Where would you start? What kind of information would you go after? And what was really interesting when we started to look at the, the results of all of that work is we started to see commonalities in the data. And so um, it probably won't surprise either of you to know that the number one uh, data source for threat actors that are planning their attack when it comes to humans, is LinkedIn. And so they would actually start with LinkedIn. They would pivot from LinkedIn, typically into data brokers, which 
know if anybody's familiar with those, you know, it's my life, Spokio, Intellius, background checks. It's all these organizations out there that are selling and, and trading our data. And then with that information where you can get, you know, by the way, the data brokers have your family information, your personal email, your cell phone, all kinds of stuff that you don't really want out there. You can essentially pivot into all kinds of other uh, resources, dark web, stolen credentials, et cetera. And those really become the building blocks for the attacks themselves. Um, and so when I talk about human attack surface, that's really what I'm talking about. It's that exposed PII about each loss that's out there that becomes the fuel uh, for the threat actor to be able to gain initial access. So it's essentially, if you if you think with miter, your MITRE hat on, it's really everything that's kind of left of initial access. Jeff, anything you want to add on to that or, or yeah, comment? Yeah, definitely. One thing that backs up here, so just to clarify, so I'm also the, my role is the SVP of technology services and the CISO at New American Funding. Been there for uh, over three and a half years. Uh, but yes, I mean, I think a great area to focus on, as Matt said, is, you know, the, the human factor. Uh, my focus has always been on having the strong control and relying less on the immediate factor just because the, the, the uncertainty about how they respond. Mm. You know, a challenge I have being in the mortgage industry is the higher attrition means higher headcount churn. So mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of companies that are stable, you have the ability to train your staff and have very stable staff without a lot of churn. But in my industry, that that's not quite the case. So, uh, but uh, I think the human factor is an area that we definitely got to focus on more because it is being targeted much harder than in the past. Hmm. This is a nice so segue to our our one of our research questions, Matt, that we kind of discussed prior to this uh, this call. You want to kick that off, or you want me to ask? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I'd love to Jeff just sort of know. Based on what you're doing today, I mean, you described, uh, uh, I would say, a challenging environment, right? Uh, a world where, and I don't, you know, this is certainly um, true in a lot of different industries, but I can, I can see it being true in yours, right? Where you've got a lot of changeover of staff, right? A lot of churn of employees, a lot of in, a lot of out. Um, and you're moving a lot of money too, by the way, right? As a mortgage, a mortgage broker. So I'm curious, how do you think about trying to secure that human attack service today or that human layer? Like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, well, I first want to say, I mean, good thing about mortgages, there, there's really no money still. It's not a bank. There's not depository funds. or work with banking privately. Previously, so uh, a lot of tax target there because there's, uh, you know, cash and money to steal. What I try to protect is really two things. It's the PII, which is highly regulated. And two, it's making sure there's operational integrity to minimize downtime for an attack. So with that said, uh, I focus my controls where, you know, you think about what's, what's the most common conduit for attacks. I mean, email is huge. Uh, yes. And the past year stories of a thumb drive in the parking lot or somewhere else and pick up and search, you know, making sure the thumb drive is restricted for access. And then of course, web access is the other challenge. I mean, when you have the right tools, it's just amazing. You see how much your employees try to access one website and literally thousands of websites and apps, you know, on a monthly basis. So it's very important to have a, a strong web filtering, CADME, and DLP to uh, prevent the PI exfiltration. Mm -hmm. uh, I also want to add, you know, authentication always a challenge. I mean, MFA, everyone thinks that, oh, which of anything place are secure. MFA got a lot of gaps, as we find out. I mean, if your computer is not secure, 
which more corporate machines hopefully are, but say your vendors, you can't necessarily, you know, check their posture. So the risk of having session identity tokens being stolen out of the browser mm-hmm. is a big problem. Uh, so that's why there's a big push by Fido too, to go to passwordless for the workforce and pass keys for the consumer. Uh, that's where you take into account a lot more having the device as part of the application process. But uh, beyond that, even like enterprise browsers are getting a lot of steam now because the browser is the uh, new workspace of the present and future. And you do a lot more things in the enterprise browser, including like making sure corporate credentials are not being used outside corporate sites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious on, and thanks for the clarification just about the moving of the money. I'm curious if, you know, when you think about all the different kinds of attacks that are, that are possible, when it comes to social engineering, how much do you worry about things like social, um, like impersonation versus, let's say, direct spear phishing? Just sort of help me characterize how you think about this fairly broad umbrella of problems that is uh, that makes up social engineering. Yeah, let me go to that email first. So spear phishing certainly is a problem. I mean, but there are great vendors in place, uh, i.e., the dual layer strategy and email security. So uh, that's been pretty much a strong control for the last uh, few years. Uh, Impersonation is a bigger problem, especially when that ch- communication channel never touches my controls where I have any w- way to block it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a common problem thing now it is, you know, you had impersonation when a wire is being done between a borrower and escrow, which never touches uh, the mortgage companies outside of it. Uh, also, you see uh, there are people impersonating loan officers trying to get in front of the borrower to, you know, take the kind of action. So that's, that's hard to stop because you don't really have, you're not in the control plane to see it or block it. You'll hear about it from the, the user involved, the employee, but yeah, it's definitely a big gap. And even like SMS smishing, that's really hard to control too, because once again, it's not going through our control plane like email would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think those are those are all really good points. Um, one thing I'm wondering about too, you mentioned uh, having uh, two layers of control on the email. Um, you know, one of the things that we've seen a lot is, especially with the ability to conduct reconnaissance on uh, on infrastructure, never mind people. You know, you can actually begin to determine what those layers of security might be, which might give the attacker some clues to, you know, hey, I've actually got to run a staged attack here, for example. Um, to be able to build reputation and then be able to bypass those controls. How do you, how do you think about that problem? Um, uh, given, you know, just the myriad of things that you are doing already. Well, it, it's very important to manage your attack service. You know, what are all the apps that seen from the perimeter, uh, without knowing what that is and remediating in the gaps, you get yourself open to really easy exploitation. Mm-hmm. So that, that's really a first step. And you have to have strong email controls, uh, your SPF records you locked down. You don't want enough someone to send email such as on your behalf and being directed to your control. Uh, so those are to myself are really some keys in stopping that personation. Nice. Yeah. I think those are, those are interesting. Um, let me ask you, I think, uh, got just a fun question, which is if you could wave a magic wand and know which of your employees could actually be targeted more effectively in an impersonation scheme? Um, how would that change what you do today? Well, that's surely a value. I do see from my email security reports who are getting the most spam and phishing. So uh, 
I mean, some make total sense because they're considered wealth, people with a brand name value, I know monetary value behind them. Other ones are maybe more in sales, but I'm kind of monitor that. So, uh, but it does change over time because once they, you know, try an attack, then I'll have progress. They might move on to uh, the next people online. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that we've, that we've seen, um, with our customers is that, you know, they're using, you know, a proof point or, or whatever it might be that has this, uh, what do they call it? Um, this attack index, I think, right. It's most, most attack list. Um, and so actually what we've been able to see is a reduction in the number of attacks that are targeting those humans that are on that most attack list actually by focusing in and reducing that human attack surface. So I guess part of what I was curious about is just, you know, would you think about, or how would you think about adjusting the way you look at this problem if actually you could shift left and move into a world where you got less, you got less inbound, you got less attacks, right? Because there were fewer, there was less PII out there that was exposed about, you know, about your employees, whether they're on the most attack list or not, right? I guess that's what I'm curious about. It's just sort of, how would you, you know, sort of wipe the slate clean and think about the problem differently? It's like, okay, wow, if I actually had 5% or 10% less attacks coming, coming at me, uh, coming at the folks that are most targeted, what, what would you do? You know, you, I assume you'd have more time, uh, you know, I assume your team would have less alerts. They'd be going after but like, well, like, help me understand. Like, I'm curious, what would you do differently? Yeah. So recently I've seen a, a peak in our emails coming in that we had a block. I mean, on the magnitude of probably over 20% just in the last couple of months. So I'm not sure what triggered that, but luckily controls are handling that fine. But really, um, I think an area that I'd want to probably get more visibility on what is the social profile of my employee beyond right. just what, you know, maybe LinkedIn is. I understand okay. what that is. So I had had some experience in dark web monitoring, looking at credentials. Uh, most of the time, those are false positives and low, either old passwords from years ago or just fictitious data that is used to stuff a list that's sold for, you know, pennies on the dollar per thousand the records. Uh, but I think Darbor monitoring is absolutely critical to understanding, you know, what's, what's happening as far as potential, potential breach exposure. Yeah. That's a big category of problem, right? I think, um, depending on which data source you believe it's maybe 60%, 50 to 60% of, of attack volume is credential reuse, credential stuffing. Um, when we, when we've looked at that problem and work with customers on that, one of the things that we've seen is that the volume of data, the volume of exposed breaches associated with, let's say my personal identity versus my work identity is typically somewhere around nine times as high. Uh, so there's an extreme amount of, of additional data that's available uh, to the threat actor when they look at your whole identity. So I guess I'm curious if you're part of your, uh, part of your angle around this sort of desire to know more about social media was that, was it was it sort of connected to this idea of trying to see like whole identity about, about a human or is there another angle to it? Well, I mean, so ITDR, identity threat detection response is a big area I'm working on to improve all the signals from active directory down to my identity detection, identity provider, uh, of course through SAF. But if I could bring signals that tell you more of the social media profile, the users, uh, and even have the way to inform my users about their attack surface that's an okay. area of interest in expanding the feature. Got it. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So one of the things that we're doing is, um, today I'd love your feedback on this idea, um, Jeff is that we're actually, you know, because we're outside the perimeter and we're looking at the exposed human attack surface of your people, we're able to, first of all, see it and also reduce it. Right. So 
one of the things that we're doing is we're letting the individuals know, you know, hey, Jeff, we actually found this information about you on a website, your birthday, your home email, or your phone number, and we removed it. Um, you don't have to worry about it. We got it uh, as an example, right? Um, you know, that I think has a benefit of obviously reducing tax service, but also it raises awareness about, about the problem. So I'm curious from your point of view, what kinds of things like that would be valuable uh, to communicate to uh, to your end users? Like how, how do you think about that problem? What would you, in a perfect world, what would you want to tell them? What would you want to put in front of them? Yeah. I mean, so what I have done for the last few years is I monitor their personal credentials that are breached on a, a you know, a dark web breach. I say, hey, here's a LinkedIn account. Here's a Facebook. You probably want to change this password. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone as far as, you know, to try to scrub what's out there for their birthdays or other, you know, sensitive data can be possibly used to as you know, a step-up attack on trying to get access to systems, whether it's local mm-hmm. or elsewhere. But I think that's great to understand what that personal PI is and then uh, let them know and try to get that removed or take action on to some matter. That's, that's nice. I like that. Um, yeah, we're doing a lot of that correlation um, as well in an automated way. So we're able to find your work identity, find your personal identity, match those up, look for credentials, and then work on blocking those uh, internally in the existing infrastructure. It sounds like you're doing some of that on your own using, you know, probably internal data, maybe some, some scripts and some tooling. It sounds, it sounds similar actually. Yeah. Very nice. Um, so I guess maybe just to move on to the next question, uh, you know, when you think about Jeff, when you think about, uh, investing to solve these kinds of problems, you know, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing a lot of, uh, increase obviously in, in attack volume, et cetera, et cetera. I think everybody sort of knows the story there. Um, what do you view as your barriers to success when it comes to continuing to invest in trying to solve these problems? I think one of the challenges, there's just so much data to go through from various signals for, so, you know, I'm a big, big believer in the behavior analytics. So, you know, pumping all this data into a, a sim or other source and have the entity being run on what's, what's the analytics going to tell me on that notable dent. So it's either for, you know, my, my sock to figure out which users to uh, focus on. There may be a potential issue to, to fall through on. So it's really, to me, it's a, the amount of data you have to go through. Yeah. So looking for solutions that, I mean, just to pull on the thread a little bit, right. Looking for solutions that, um, that are doing some of the work for you to help drive prioritization and focus is, is sort of that. So that's one of the ways that I take what it is that you said. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, how do you think about things like, uh, for example, taking the ability to prioritize or drive prioritization and focus with human data into some of the other areas that are important to you already? Uh, maybe vulnerability management, patching, um, things like that. How, like, how, you know, if you sort of had this ranked list of people that, uh, that were connected to infrastructure internally, and you sort of knew who was at most exposed, right? Would that drive some, uh, would that drive some change in how you think about this problem? Look, for vulnerabilities, I mean, my meantime, the patch on servers and endpoints left your plus was 12 days. So it's been pretty tight, pretty mm-hmm. difficult. They have a pretty good program there. Uh, you know, I tra- at this point, I treat most of my users all the same because they have the same control, same computer configuration, same, you know, authentication. Mm-hmm. But uh, if I had the signal to show me that more at a, more at risk, then of course I would try to prioritize the next step action. Mm-hmm. And um, 
So maybe just to play that out a little bit, uh, if you get a signal that says Danny's uh, more of a risk than Matt or Matt's more of a risk than Danny, um, what are some of the things that you would want to do to try to uh, perhaps reduce the risk of that, of the impact of that user? I mean, are you thinking about things like browser isolation or like, how, like talk me through just sort of what's a, if you open up your bag of tricks, like what's in the bag of tricks? Well, I mean, so I'm a big believer in CASB, my cloud security broker, because uh, users access lots of applications. And of course, some are blocked based on category. Uh, but it's really important to know what's the, the confidence of the application. Uh, I surely block PI going to most of those, especially with the unsanctioned apps. I may allow access, not be too restrictive, but if any PI gets uploaded, that would be blocked. Browser isolation only really works if, you know, the website is uncategorized. Uh, so the limited use cases, I really think enterprise browser is the way of, uh, the future because it has so many use cases from what computers to BYOD to your vendors. So, uh, you could do a lot in enterprise browsers. So that market's changing rapidly. Got it. Okay. That's helpful. Um, so when you think about, uh, obviously we're in a, you know, I would say a soft economic environment. Maybe that's a nice way of putting it. Um, you know, I'm sure that you're, you're probably seeing that too on the mortgage side, given, given rates, right. Um, just the, the dynamics are changing. Uh, how do you think about justifying spend for new solutions in new areas like human attacks service protection? Yeah. So my cough constraints really started last year around Q1 rates started increasing because, you know, rates doubled in a year. Uh, Rejection volume for more than just more than half or that time, uh, ultimately affecting income. So I was really pressured to show the value of investment mm-hmm. of renewal, you know, my existing controls and even some vendors that unfortunately I had a cut that I definitely, you know, would prefer to keep, but it's all about rationalization. What's the value of that tool? What's it bringing? Mm-hmm. You know, can I tolerate that level of risk in the gap? But, uh, there's a big push towards consolidation to more going to platforms, you know, left vendors, vendors that could do more as long as there's not a gap in their, in their capability coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there's always need for uh, point solutions, like much like you're probably talking about, because I think that's the gap that very few vendors can't address today, at least uh, not as broad as it looks like you could do based on my senior website. Mm-hmm. So it's really about doing the case. It's identifying the risk. You know, I am very compliance driven being in the uh, you know, financial sector, having a lot of PI, I'm bound by CCPA, which in California, relies on the CISPT controls. Uh-huh. There's also FTC safeguards and operating in New York here. Uh, New York has their NYDFS, that's the New York Department of Financial Services, the reg is 23 NYCR 500, which is the most strict regulation. Lots of fining going actively. Fines in the past few years are all based upon uh, outcome by having a breach. In most cases, having a control that was not in place, but at times the control was in place, such as MFA, but the user got MFA fished uh, and clicked four times on it, and data was exposed, and the companies were finding them upwards of a million dollars. So, uh, we we'll also look at the efficacy of your control. You have to have more than just checkbox, it's how well to control, what's your maturity level. So, I basically, everything I do that's related to security and even IT, because I wear both hats, I try to tie back the controls I have to meet and explain that to, to leadership on. Not just me trying to uh, be creative and uh, look for more things to do because I have plenty of work. It's here's the controls we're trying to meet. Here's the regulations and why we have to do it. Yeah. And 
you know, if you had to choose between two solutions that uh, one, one helped you help to put you in more of a proactive preventative stance versus gave you more resources on the detection and response side of the ledger, like how, like, how would you approach that? You know? Um, well, I mean, if I answer correctly, my, my approach is always to try to block, try to block the threat. Uh, and ask later, you know, was it, was it legitimate or not? Cause, uh, I take them a cautious approach. Of course, I want to forbid this, uh, but you know, big focus really this year is budding down the detection response across all my signals. So I, I don't miss that notable signal that gets through. So, um, so choosing between detection and response driven solutions versus preventative solutions that result in less things mm -hmm. to have to worry about detecting and responding to. If I heard you, you'd, you'd be, you'd be more focused on the detection and response than the prevention, or maybe I misheard you. Or not. Uh, well, I would say more on the prevention, like for email, I don't have a problem with really fishing or spear fishing. I block multi block of the printer, very right. little bit through. Why it's still here. You look at the latest news article, talk to the peers. They're still dealing with the uh, fishing being a big problem day to day. I don't have that issue. Nice. Yeah, that's great. Um, it sounds like you've, you've largely solved that problem through, uh, Trial and, trial and error, right? Like building a system that works and, and refining it over time, which is, which is really great. Um, the, I'm curious one, uh, about one area that we've been thinking a lot about Jeff, which is, uh, really the sort of idea of offering capabilities as a service, as a managed service or a managed platform, uh, versus just offering it as pure tech. Uh, what we've seen at least is that I'm typically, you know, security resources are declining in terms of you know, headcount and stuff like that. And internally, obviously you've talked about costs and so on, um, choosing between a solution that's offered as a technology platform purely versus a managed service where you're actually getting the outcome, uh, delivered to you. Uh, how do you think about prioritizing between those two? Well, I guess that's really up to understand what's low effort to, uh, to manage it and mm -hmm. to respond. If it is very noisy, requires the expertise. And of course, I, I'd see is there a managed service like you mentioned that can be rolled in a package. Now, I'm a big believer in like a EDR and MDR solution. So that, that have that in place because that way, uh, you know, I have experts 24 7 watching the environment. Got it. Nice. Um, so maybe just to circle back around for a second. So you, you talked about how you have effectively taken your fishing risk to zero, near zero. They're not, they're not seeing much of that, which is really great. Uh, earlier in our discussion, you talked about uh, impersonation is a significant problem. Uh, obviously, SMS is, is a challenge, I think, that everybody uh, deals with as well. I'm curious, what are some of the other concerns that you have that, that touch on this human, this human problem? Yeah, well, I think impersonation is a problem really for anyone because if it's not touching the control plane, how do you actually mm -hmm. manage it? So, uh, yeah, I think really the human element SMS phishing, uh, that'd be nice to get a, those are more nuisance messages that might the user get from the time here. Here's the uh, SMS yes, from the CEO, go buy the gift cards. I mean, the store is pretty much the same, just different dates of labor, but it, you know, it is, it is alarming that's still happening. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So impersonation, you would sort of say is among the most significant problems that, that you have. Well, I wouldn't say most significant. I'd say it's been a, there's been a few events here and there. It just got very hard to stop those because once again, you, you're you're not in a control plane to block it. So I'm on the outside, say I'm 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 John Originator. I have a mortgage for you. Now here's my contact information. Contact me. 
And uh, you got to understand a bigger problem than your employees is on the consumer side uh, is really educating the consumers. Because a lot of times, you know, their home computers are not secured or compromised. Sure. They, they click on things. They truly don't understand security. So uh, it's doing that demographic and how we raise the bar across the, uh, across the board for the industry. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting challenge too um, for organizations that have a B2C style business, uh, for sure. I think that's a, that's a big challenge. Sorry, I just lost my camera on the screen. Are you guys back? We should. Yep. Okay, great. All right, great. Um, so, Danny, what um, what questions come to mind for you that we might not have asked, or that I might not have asked, or might not have come up, just given you know, uh, given your take on the world? I muted. Yeah, I guess just on both ends, I, I'd like to know right now at this particular moment what your bleeding neck challenges are. I mean, we kind of can, you know, understand from the questions uh, that you asked, Matt, but I'd like kind of a, a clear high-level answer of what, what your experience trying to solve. I mean, for me, my biggest challenge is dealing with 40 different states that have different privacy regulations. So uh, just a lot of compliance, a lot of exams, a lot of it. So I think any company financial that nationwide is dealing with the same kind of problem. Mm. Now, we don't have a federal privacy law. I'm not sure where we'll get one yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, the PI is a big problem because the ransomware is not stopping, the PI exfiltration is not stopping. You see more and more, you see the threat actors getting more determined to not only gain access to systems mm-hmm. and it'll, they'll, they'll taunt you to make payment. They'll expose your records, your voicemail, even video conferencing <laughs> sections. Okay. They now expose when another company I was watching had a breach, uh, reporting the FTC, the detail, their actor said, no, you didn't report the true actor. Here's what actually happened. So, you know, there's getting much more forceful on trying to get you to respond and, and make payments. Mm-hmm. How about yourself, Matt? Yeah, I think for us, um, yeah, we're, we're, cre- we're working on creating a new category. Uh, and I think that um, understanding how, you know, first of all, we, what we hear from our customers is that people are always the problem, uh, mm-hmm. that they're spending lots and lots and lots of money. Um, most of them don't actually have had, have had the success, Jeff, that you've had, right? Most of them are spending lots and lots of money and they're failing to solve this problem. You know, they're doing security awareness training, same people click that always click. Uh, they're doing cleanup of executive footprint outside the perimeter. Uh, they've got extensive programs that they're running in their sock. They've got lots of controls, you know, uh, their incident response programs are expensive and large, and, and it's all basically trying to, uh, solve for this human problem. Right. So that, that's, you know, that's what we see when we talk to our customers about the pain, just the pain that they have around this, around this problem. And so I think for us, what we're trying to better understand really is how do we we believe we created something revolutionary that actually allows you to shift from being in detection response mode around these problems to being in prevention mode so that you get less uh, inbound attacks, that you actually shrink the volume of alerts that are coming into your SOC. And so I think for us, we're trying to better understand how we connect this capability that we created, which maybe is not a traditional security, uh, well, a traditional mindset, maybe even around security. How do we connect that way of thinking into 
the established programs that already exist uh, that are doing great things like you described, Jeff, um, but that we think that we can actually uh, take it to the next level, you know, by making programs predictive uh, and, and making them preventive. So, I mean, that, that's what we're trying to better understand and learn is just like from a, from a, maybe from a messaging point of view, just really simply, like, how do we talk about this more intelligently? That's probably the thing that, that is, um, you know, I'm, I'm not you. I know that's obvious, but like I, I haven't, I'm not sitting in your chair. So it's hard for me to understand, you know, the words that you would use to talk about this problem and how to, you know, yeah, that's, that's the thing that's hardest for me. Yeah. Well, I've been measuring the physical, actually the physical and virtual tax service now for yeah. more than a few years. I gauge my, the company against its peers, uh, just the way to show how, you know, we stack up and, oh, uh, my philosophy been, you know, I don't want to be the the fish that swims outside the school of fish that gets swooped up by the bigger fish. You know, if I'm in the middle there or the bigger of the fish in that pool, then, you know, hopefully I'll be left alone. Uh, but I've never talked about the human tax service. First time I've heard that wording. So I think it definitely is a new segment. I think it's a great area. And uh, I even see opportunity for myself to make improvements uh, across some of these uh, areas you're talking about on anything on your website. How do you propose, um, you know, vendors and, and founders like like Matt, you know, approach positioning themselves in a new kind of niche or market? Like what are the right steps to, to resonate with folks like you um, when they're creating kind of new tools and solutions like this? Well, I'll say, first of all, I mean, there's a lot of vendors chasing after the same dollar. They do the same thing. So, uh, but this is one, an area I have not, like I said, I've not really seen before. I've seen parts of this from vendors, but not to this level. So I think it's really promoting what the focus is, the human tax service and how you can take it to the next level. Nice. Yeah. That's helpful. I mean, I think for us, um, knowing that the message that, uh, that I've shared or that you've seen on the website and things like that, knowing that the message resonates is, is actually very useful. Um, you know, cause it's uh, often it's hard, you know, when you're in our chair, it's hard to get honest feedback, you know? Um, you know, so it's very well, helpful. To, yeah. I'd rather have someone tell us they think or maybe it's ugly than to, you know, just, you know, it's like, just tell us what you don't like, please. You know, <laughs> I, I think you're one of the rare ones, uh, Matt. <laughs> I mean, ideally, if I could have a score on the risk of my employee, my employees, but based on employee, that's kind of like, like a way of being UEBA. In, in, a, in my sim, let's so focus only on the employee on their tax service. Okay. I mean, that, that, that'd be a great score to have. We got it today, man. Love to show you. Yeah. We can pull the next up. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Hey, Jeff, do you have any questions for Matt? I know that we, we kind of grilled you on this uh, last half hour, but anything that comes to mind that you'd like to ask Matt or myself? Well, I just say, I mean, the management of the human layer has always been do your email phishing, do your training. Uh, you know, it's more of a checkbox. I can't say it necessarily has a ton of value. Uh, some companies have gotten very strict. You get the notes from HR a couple of times a day, you know, do the third time, maybe terminate it. That's never the approach I could implement here. So I've always focused more on control. But uh, I guess the question is why hasn't anyone ever focused? Like, why haven't you know competitors focused on yet? Because it's really, I think it's a, a need that's long past due. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so 
I think that part of the answer to that question actually is that most people that have approached this problem have actually approached it from, from your side of the problem. You know, they've come at it from a control-based way of thinking or a kind of a, a you know, I'm going to stop, I'm going to block this thing with this piece of technology, right? It's, 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 it's sort of a, yeah, that's, that's how they've approached the problem. And we've just come at it very differently uh, by spending a lot of time thinking about how these attacks actually begin and how they unfold. Uh, before they ever hit your infrastructure, right? And I think that that the just simply the approach and the mindset about how to solve the problem is um, is completely different. Uh, I, that that would just be my you know, my honest answer to you. I think it's just like a completely it's like a turn the world upside down approach and look at it from you know from the other angle and say how can we think about solving this problem differently? Uh, and I think if you look. If you look uh, more on a sort of use case by use case level, you'll see companies that are solving pieces of this problem, right? And I actually think that that's one of the reasons that this problem is is so large, is that nobody has really looked across the problems, all the problems, and said, this is not a bunch of different problems. This is one problem. And so I, that's part of what I mean by sort of say looking at it a little bit differently, right? It's like the root cause of this problem is open source intelligence about your humans. That is the root cause of this problem. Um, and you know, if you don't, if you come at it from the other way and say, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, which is, which is good. I'm not trying to belittle this. I'm gonna block emails. Like, it's good. We should do that. Right. Or I'm gonna block suspicious domains. Like, That's great. We should do that. Um, those are all elements of the solution to the problem. But if we don't actually go back to sort of do a root cause analysis of what's driving the initial, um, you use this great analogy that I like, you know, sort of swimming in the swimming with all the fish, right? It's like, okay, well, if you're an outlier and you've got a bunch of people that are way more exposed than somebody else, like you're an easy target, right? And so that's just something that we, yeah, it's just a mindset, right? It's, it's something that we can see and something that we have focused on trying to, to hone that capability. So kind of a long answer, sorry, but, um, you know, that's, I think that's a big part of it is just approach mindset, uh, thinking about the problem differently. Yeah, I think uh, this would be a great metric to report to the board on having all these signals bubble up to uh, what the risk of the employee is. Love it. Yeah. All right, well, we're headed towards the end of time. I do want to leave some uh, extra room to, to ask if there's anything you'd like to impart in the audience today, uh, both of you, really. I mean, I know that we did talk about, um, you know, improving the human element here, right, and educating folks, so maybe some color commentary there, or really, it's all you. Anything you'd like to impart before we sign off? Jeff, I'll, you want to go first? Yeah, I guess, I, I think for organizations, public, private, corporations, educational, this is all, this is a, a needed tool. But uh, a bigger picture is, what about just for personal use? Have you thought about expanding this to uh, even a consumer version? Because I think this is a, I think a lot of consumers have no idea what the footprint is and the risk they're at. It's probably one of the questions that we get asked most often. Um, we, uh, and we, I'd say we scratch that itch a little bit because, uh, every employee who is a beneficiary of the program that we run, uh, actually gets a family invite. So they get a plus one. And if you're a high value target, uh, a VIP, a board member, someone who wires money, you know, someone that you designate as being a high value target. 
you actually get a plus 10. So you can cover uh, quite quite a broad set of your family unit with that kind of an approach. And, you know, one day I hope that we can offer this to, uh, to everyone, you know, especially those that are more at risk, you know, uh, grandparents, kids, et cetera. Uh, they're more exposed. So, um, yeah, it just takes time to build. The truth is it takes time to build a product that's capable of doing that for a consumer audience. All right. Let me, let me pivot, maybe go a different direction. This could yeah. be a value in the hiring process to understand what's the risk mm -hmm. of that new employee we're considering making an offer to. And if they have a large risk, then maybe they got to evaluate, does it make sense to hire or they got to clean up some of the risk they have before they bring it to the company? hundred percent. And I think M&A is also very relevant too. you know, that's sort of a mass hiring in a way. Uh, I know organizations typically have fairly structured processes where they do technical uh, merges uh, between uh, the infrastructure and you know, the same is true with workforce. Right? So uh, having that kind of analytic done before that happens is, uh, is an important thing. I have one last comment. So what we didn't talk about in the human risk is the insider risk. You know, this is all unintentional risk. Yeah. The intentional risk is someone that either is being malicious or they're being paid to be monetized to, uh, you know, give access, give sensitive data out. Mm -hmm. Having your customers already build identify with your tool that, that intentional or the malicious human risk. So we have, we have some signals that are valuable to insider threat programs. Um, but, uh, you know, we are, we are much more focused on looking at, uh, we're looking at how to make this human attack surface smaller, uh, for the organization and how to protect proactively uh, on your behalf. So, um, there's probably, I don't know, a half a dozen to a dozen risk indicators that are valuable. Um, does this person appear to be moonlighting? Let's say that's an interesting example. Um, you know, uh, now that alone by itself is not sufficient, but it's a very useful indicator to look, okay, has there been some unusual printing or data exfiltration or those kinds of things, right? So I think when you're trying to prioritize and sort of cut the wheat from the chaff and say, where should I focus my valuable human resources? Because there's only so many of those. It can be a very helpful tool for that. That's right. All right, gentlemen. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. Such great insight here. I'm super happy that we dug into this. You two are always welcome to the show anytime. I always invite my guests back. I mean, you you were awesome. Thanks for, for coming on. Thanks for having us. Danny, thanks for, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. All right. This has been another episode of Audience First. We are out. This episode of Audience First is proudly sponsored by Picnic Corporation, the enterprise-wide human attack surface protection platform. Picnic offers a frictionless cybersecurity solution coupled with specialized services that mitigate the threat of social engineering by proactively disrupting attacker reconnaissance and resource development. To effectively reduce the human attack surface at an enterprise-wide scale and bridge the gap between personal identities and work identities, visit getpicnic.com. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.